When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another bonus edition of There Will Be Dungeons, brought to you by you fine folks who support us on uh, the, the uh, support system we have over there on the site, therewillbedungeons.com. If you're hearing this a week late, it's because you, you, know, you just got to belly up, throw a buck our way, and then boom, you got it. Uh, we're be- really happy to be back. We got a bunch of questions all compiled and ready to go from Kristen, and I will uh, lead off with her. Kristen, what do we have? All right, jumping right in. First two questions. First one, in the new arc, I've noticed that Splendorbelt and Grinkeeper are always referred to by last name, but John is always just Co. <laughs> is that on purpose to hide, Co- to hide Co's aristocratic background or just something that happened? Uh, I think it just sort of happened. I mean, honestly, they're the weird ones. Because <laughs> when do you call anybody by just their last name? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm weird. going by the first name, which is a normal thing to do. Uh, these two weirdos are going by a last name, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, but honestly, the <laughs> thing with Ko's, the thing with Ko's name is kind of interesting. We haven't gotten too far into it, but it is going to be something that I would be curious about because, uh, in my head, he assumed because he, you know, he knows the heroes in this world, and they all have these fancy names like Cheat and stuff like that, and so it's like, oh, they they all got fancy names, so. His guild application's got his real name on it, but he doesn't want anybody to know he's doing this. So now that they're gaining notoriety, he's kind of got this like, oh, shit, this isn't working the way I thought it was going to. Uh, so he's probably a little happy that people just call him Ko. But, uh, you know, being a satyr in a town with that name, it's probably not hard to draw a parallel there. I mean, yep, in my case, I was just going to say that the last name stuff, I have this tendency in the game to, to overname my characters in D and D. I just always do it. So, you know, look at any of the previous ones. They all had ridiculous names. Nash Magard of the solar mines is, is almost his full name of the solar mines is like in there every time he says it. And, um, I forgot my clown's full name. Uh, anyway, these names, I, I tend to just be a little bit ridiculous with it. I play a character in Final Fantasy XIV, for example, named Teddy Blunderhose, which is just, you know, the most freaking Scott-ass name ever. Um, that being said, uh, I think our decision to just call them by their last names, and this just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of happened. It's not really a a planned thing, and, uh, and, I, and I respond to it. So I suppose Kyle could have called me whatever. Could have called me Cleric Boy, and I would have still done it. 
That one's kind of funny, too, because we just sort of ended up on <laughs> the Mr. Splendid Belt thing, yeah. which everyone calls you in frustration, but it's just such good fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time, and it's also a very stupid name. I will admit it, but that's sometimes fun in these games. Well, actually, all games for me, I just like to have dumb names. And, um, you know, that happened here. Kristen, how about how about yours? Uh, Grinkeeper is kind of tied to Grinkeeper's backstory, but also to pull attention away from her first name, which would probably tie her back to her aristocratic background. So gotcha. <laughs> it seems like everybody is floating around with some money except for Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> Just wants a potato farm. farm. Yeah, everybody's got the cash except me. I really do want that potato farm. Like if, this whole thing ends with me finally realizing my dream or dying trying. Well, we got the tower there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. It's on farmland. Go grow a potato. Yeah, go grow a potato on the tower. Next question. In the last episode, when this question was posted, Scout was bitten on the small of his back. Does this mean he now has a cockatrice stamp? <laughs> oh, I forgot that question was back really there. Cool. What 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 is the status of that? Do I does it stay as a horrible scar for the rest of my life? Did it heal? I guess we haven't addressed it. No, you would have healed from that. A, a cockatrice is what, like a half challenge rating monster that can petrify for 24 hours. So you mm. would have had a bite back there, but all this magical healing since then would have gotten rid of any wound. Gotcha. That would have lingered. Okay, good. That's, that makes me happy to hear that. Uh, I was I was happy to, to... I like the idea of I am my scar sort of uh, characterizations of our characters, like visible symbols of, of previous exploits or whatever. That sort of thing's interesting to me. So I don't have any problem having some sort of scar if I had one. Because uh, it would mean I, you know, I, I could show my my worth, I suppose, by showing off that scar. Beautiful. Absolutely. I love it. Nice. Story, story driven. <laughs> what was your specific reason for the 12-episode arc? Is there wiggle room? A uh, specific reason for the 12-episode arc? Uh, partially because it sounds good. And it means that each time you come back, if you wanted to join the show at any point, you could look at this season and see 12 episodes and go, oh, okay, I can manage this. Or if you wanted to dive right in, because you're curious in the season two, that like, I like to do that with movies or TV shows. I'm like, did this go somewhere? Now they can tune in at a point where things are already underway. But really the machinations of it are that it forces the sandbox to come to a head rhythmically. And the previous There Will Be Dungeons adventure was one huge ongoing story where beats of importance happened naturally as they would happen and the characters came together for that big happening. The season structure forces that, which is a bit of a downfall in some ways, but it also means that rhythmically something, some part of the story, some mystery is going to be revealed on a rhythm, on a rotation. So there's always something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, for me, I can tell you that I, I wanted to start some semblance of like, hey, I'm coming late to this and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be so behind that I'm just completely out of my element. And a way to do that is to say, well, here's a clear delineation of when something starts and stops so that you can jump in and know what you're getting into and know that it's 12 episodes long and and not wonder if, if, you know, if you jump in anywhere in a 300 episode arc that you're going to be lost or missed out on stuff. It's just an easier structure 
uh, for people. It's the reason why television shows have seasons and not one continuous thing that just goes on forever and you can't really navigate it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main reason. It's also easier when you guys have questions about stuff. Cause you can say, Hey, season one, episode four, you said this, I'd love to know more about that or whatever. And we can very easily go, Oh yeah, that was when we did so and such and whatever, instead of having to search some, some unending database with no cap or, or bottom to it. And it works really well with the world, which is full of quests and full of side quests and reasons why the world is constantly in peril due to hag setting up shop or knoll camps or whatever. It means that with the start of season two now, we can fart off a little bit. It, it would be. It's oppressive. In this storyline to force you guys to go main quest nonstop because we would end up underground for extreme amounts of time. Whereas now we get to go off to Snake Island. Yeah. Which is very exciting. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Snake Island was like my favorite idea. And now and now we get to <laughs> we get to fruition. Full circle. Yeah, I love me some Snake Island. I'm ready. Awesome. And next up we have some questions for everyone. So this first one is for me. The impression I'm getting at the moment is that Grinkeeper is taking advantage of a relaxed school schedule over the summer. Has she had any thoughts about what she'll do come the end of the summer when balancing will be more difficult? Uh, She doesn't think that far ahead, so she'll make (laughs) it up as she goes. The big thing on her mind right now is the bronze ball, which will be happening in season two. For Scott, what are your plans for your grand potato empire? (laughs) Is it just stopping with a farm, or can we expect cool souvenirs such as a potato paylor? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, don't give me any ideas because that's a great idea. Um, yeah, like my goal is a couple of fold here. It's not purely just, you know, I want to retire or, you know, spend time on this thing that's mine and only for me. It's also for the people. I want to be able to be thought of in the, in the larger world as, you know, a legendary provider of quality potatoes <laughs> for, for those who want them. Um, and also build a, a taste out there for the raw potato. Get away from all this cooking business that everybody thinks you have to do with a potato. You don't have to do that. You can. Uh, I think the, go ahead. in the background, there's kind of a, a legend building with the Splendor Belt being so good at riding the horse and the potato farm. Like the, it, it feels like there's some backstory there that's yet to be revealed. Yeah, and some of that I don't even know yet, but I think there's a chance to you know, to explore some of that, uh, from a t- story perspective, as well as just sort of like, uh, you know, have some fun with the idea of, you know, little, <laughs> little paylor structures made out of potatoes is a great idea. I think we could sell a million of those. <laughs> that's a great idea. I'm going to have to like totally steal that idea. I hope that's okay. For John, how is Co enjoying the new adventuring lifestyle? Do you think this is something he'd take to long term, even after his wife is better and his family is more financially stable? Or is this purely for the family upkeep and Co would be hanging up his psychic leg for good? Uh, I think it's a little bit. I think he likes it for sure, because I think, you know, he's. He kind of grew up hearing about Legends of Heroes and stuff like that, and he always really liked it. So. Now he's getting to do it, and while he's getting to see the downside of it, like he definitely had a uh, overly glamorous view of it, and then he's very quickly come to realize uh, how not glamorous hero work is. But 
it is better than he doesn't really enjoy the aristocratic life that he has kind of found himself in. So I think he would want to continue doing it, whether he would ultimately feel that was a uh, smart choice for his family or not. You know, that would be something to explore that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of just doing it's like being a comic book nerd and then discovering you have superpowers, you know, like you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it for real. Um, it's probably not the best way for him to make money, uh, but it's it's him kind of selfishly going down a path that he's like, oh, I could do this. Certainly beats being a criminal. Mm-hmm. And for Kyle, for those of us who aspire to DM, is there any possibility in the future of having some sort of a DM kit for this campaign arc when it's done similar to what you did with the Christmas one shot? Yes. Yes, 100% yes. Heck yeah. When? We don't know, but yes. <laughs> it's coming. Things are being worked on. Yeah, we've had some discussion, um, and I think there'll be more. But yeah, uh, that's the hot thing to do, right? Like, as much as it is, it's fun to play the game itself, um, you know, s- source book slash, you know, additional content about the world you've built is kind of the other goal. And I, I really want to see Kyle's stuff make, you know, I want to do that. I'd love to see Bo do it with, with our original campaign as well. I'd love to see just more of that in general. And um, yeah, heck yeah. We want to figure out a way to bring that to people. We're working cool. on it. Um, is, okay, so a question here about the story. Is this the same lake that the Skull Keep is on? Also, if this ruined temple is the same as the others the party have been to, do they also have a room at the bottom of the pit traps? Mmm. So it is the same lake system that Skull Keep is on, though that's kind of up in the mountains there and would feed into the greater lake that is making up where we found the fishmen and their dungeon. As for a pit at the bottom, yes. Yes. <laughs> that sounded like a sounded more like a question, but sure. All right. Yes. They are all pits. And they would all lead places. And it would have been really interesting if someone would have fallen down one. Oh. Oh, man, really? I'm bummed out that we didn't. Can Kyle explain his inspiration behind monster choices? Is there a deliberate attempt to bring back some of the old school basic D&D classics like rust monsters, giant rats, sturges, and mimics? Absolutely. Uh those monsters are something that I've never used before. And they're all a lot of the classics. And in a vacuum, a chest that bites, or in particular, like a bug chicken beetle, is really kind of stupid. But that, in real time, in D&D, and exploring those monsters as they were intended by Gary Gygax so many years ago, has been really a fun challenge for me. I've done a lot of DMing. I've just never done underdark classic monsters. And in a world where the adventurers are also basically pest control, they they're the perfect fit. I know I've already mentioned a few questions, but with the War Chief gaming announcement, would you guys consider consider doing an Ouroboros campaign in the future? Oh, interesting. So um Chris has offered to let to give me early access to their 
to the source book when it's done. Um, and I, I assume that that would give us a green light to do that. Um, and in fact, I saw today on Twitter, their official Twitter account was reaching out to various DMS and, you know, others who want to give this thing a shot and they're just sort of evaluating some early access now, but, but I, I guarantee we'll get early access to it and I'm pretty sure that means we can play it. So, um, I'm going to say yes to that. Unless yeah. I- with the, they showed off a map too, which suggests there's some sort of intro campaign. So mm-hmm. even just straight out of the back of the book, if that's pre-written, that'd be very easy to do. Yeah. It wouldn't be any big deal, um, to, to get that done. Plus, you know, all the better for, you know, us to be able to talk about it and get people excited about it and send people Chris's way. He's pretty excited about it in general. And it seems like it's up our alley, like the, the thematic elements of what I know so far about that campaign and about his source book are very in line kind of with what TWBD has been since the beginning and even today. And I don't know, it'd just be a really good fit. So, but yeah, my guess is we'll quote unquote live test that at some point and, and uh, maybe not that distant in the future. And we can do you know some one-offs or, you know, whatever to, to see how it goes. Personally, I would love, I would love to see it. The other one I would really like to try out or just mess with, is this comic book I got completely hooked on. And I talked about, talked to John about it a little bit, but it's a, com- a comic called uh, the, uh, the last God. And I can't remember the writer, the artist, you have to forgive me. They're both excellent. The artist is insane, but um, I good. I mean, not actually me- me- you know, <laughs> mentally insane. Anyway, his artwork's amazing is what I'm trying to say. And um, that book is cool because uh, it's like a D and D story, uh, similar to what you'd expect from a D and D story. Lots of dark fantasy, really interesting band of characters, a lot of adventuring, um, just really excellently done. And right in the smack of the middle of that thing, I want to say issue five or something. I'm just reading along thinking, okay, I'm off to the next issue. Um, that issue became a source book and was just that like, here's what this character's or what this creature's AC will be. And here's, Here's all the, you know, custom rules that exist in the world, but it's 5e compatible. So like it was an, an exact 5e campaign built right into this comic. And I just thought that was so rad. Um, and I would love to fiddle with that someday if uh, we ever get a chance. So anyway, things like that are cool. And I don't think we have any compulsion not to do stuff like that when it makes sense. What was your favorite standout NPC that you'll always remember? Also, was there ever an NPC that just drove you crazy in a good way? Oh, man. I like big bleeper bloops. <laughs> There's something about the way that guy just went. Yeah. When he was upset that I just, I was happy every time. I was, in reality, I don't think there's any world where Co would have been like, yeah, Splendor Belt, bring big bleeper bloops with us. But uh, in reality, I was like, nah, I'm happy to have him along. Yeah. Uh, He's he's like uh, antagonistic bok bok of this party. I'm I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, there was and a reason why I, I wanted to keep him on my back. Like, <laughs> it's as stupid it. as it sounds. It's just such a dumb idiot character with like I don't know. There's a bok bok quality to him, and I wanted to keep him around for as long as possible. So he's my favorite. He's easily my favorite NPC this this run. He's awesome. I think Dee Dee was really good because I think it was the first time we all started making fun of a character. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was an important moment. Poor for Dee Dee. Yeah. yeah that was and then a- we named our group Darkest Delvers, which I <laughs> feels almost insulting on top of it. But yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it was great. 
No regrets, I say. How long have you guys known each other? Is this the first time you've worked together? You all seem to have voiceover experience. What shows, if any, have you been on? Oh, that's hilarious. Um, I mean, this this show, obviously. Um, all together, it's just been this show. But we've all got stuff we've done for years that, you know, we either have crossover on or, you know, that's how we were made friendships in the first place. And I don't know, it just seemed like the right combo of people. Um, this person sounds like they're really new to all this stuff, so I shouldn't assume anything. But yeah, if you want to go find like, I don't know, the eight and a half shows I produce every week, including this one, you can go find them at frogpants.com. You can find all Kyle's stuff over at amove.tv plus his own stuff. Um, I forget the main website, Kyle, remind me. But amove.tv, you got it. Yeah, but then you, you got another Kyle thing. Ferguson. Oh, yeah, kyleferguson.com. Yeah, you'll right find, yeah, that's the other one. Because, like, DM inspiration and all that stuff. Um, but he's, you know, or, or uh, in, in John's case, been doing podcasts on and off for years. Like, we do core together uh, with Bo, me and John. Kristen, I think, has one of the best, like, VO voice capable female voices ever. If I ever was going to do a book or a, not a book, but like an animated story, I'd use, I'd use Kristen. So yeah, we all come at it with some, I think just some natural inclination toward voice stuff, but it's an interesting yeah. question. I've never, and no, the first time all of us got together was to play Heroes of the Storm. Oh, right. Yeah. We should mention that. I think, yeah, yeah. Heroes of the Storm, probably the thing that brought us together the most or the, or the most, um, I don't know, that's not crazy to say, right? That seems about right. We played a lot. No, of no. That's, uh, it, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. And it was it was very accurate. It was uh, team based gameplay ranked. So we were like under stress, which is a lot like D and D. You're under stress. You're trying to figure out how to work together. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was a good it was a good breeding ground for knowing who you want to work with and how you're going to work with them and that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, we had all kind of just oscillated around each other's company in various ways, and I think that was kind of the the galvanization was like, Oh, we all like each other. We all play this game. Let's all play this game together. That makes yeah. sense. I mean, in John's case, yeah. I feel like we've known each other in a, it's, it's a little more esoteric way, but there's been like a longer history there from comics and web comics and stuff that goes way back. Um, yeah. and, uh, so who knows how that stuff actually ended up happening, but, but it's, uh, it's nice. Like you just get an instinct for, uh, when you know, someone's going to be perfect for, to work with. And, that that was uh, true of this group since day one. It was never, I don't know. I just had a, I had my instinct, which I, you know, for good or ill, I feel like I have pretty good instincts about who I work with. Um, was just like a no brainer with these guys. Super easy. D and D's special. Like there are a lot of pickup groups in the world. There's people who go to s- stores and just sit down with random people, but. It's a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we could come from that friendship and working together for the goal of a game, we all knew that we would take this seriously for fun. But right. the the story would be told together mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be exacerbating Bo. And now that, you know, the, we're in my campaign, you all don't overtax me because we're all having part of this exchange. We all build the story together. Right. This next question comes from you, Scott. How does Kyle deal with the forks in the road? And is he fully prepared for all options? Oh, right. Yeah, Scott, you did have this question. I did have this question. So you were asking if I prepare all the different things on the board and then you pick from it and then we just do that one thing. Yeah, like uh, this fascinates me about all DMs. Like I I, I always want to know how they 
I, I know there has to be backup plans. And if we didn't go that left, we have to know what's right, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm fascinated by that. Like just the process of what do you do to, to make sure that the alternate options are there and that we're not going to get lost and that it's the exact thing you, you know, it's, you're going to, you, you can, I guess you can force us down certain paths, but that are important for the story or whatever. But if we don't go a certain way, what do you do to make up for that? So some of them have to be a hard cut that you've made the wrong decision or you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. So like the wells, for instance, that mission, if you guys selected the wells that weren't part of the serious focus of the underdark creatures, then you would have heard about other parties dealing with a more serious version of that. Uh, Cause we have to keep things sort of real in that way. Right. Uh, that might be damage to the other heroes and maybe some of them kick the bucket and the guild is taxed now. Those sort of things are the plan everything and execute on it. But I do a little, a couple of tricks. The first one is you guys thankfully select your quest at the end of episodes before we do the next episode a lot of the time. So I'll present you completely, mostly unplanned at the moment the fishy docks, the elemental temple, and uh, Skull Keep. And you guys select one of those, and then I go, okay, cool. Now I know what we're doing next week. I will now plan out all of Skull Keep. Right. Right, right. What it reminds but, me, it reminds me of like an and, uh, um, and if or statement in video games. Like you kind of have to have knowledge of if, if they do this, then I need to have this ready. And if they don't, then okay, but it's I still have to have it ready, even if they never use it. That's crazy to me. Exactly. And luckily, you can't play through D&D twice, so you can't see if I cheated. Right. Right. Because we don't know. We've, we've all we've all played a game where like we select a thing in Mass Effect and then the bad guy turns and shoots somebody. and You're like, oh, no. Oh, oh holy crud. Like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you replay it again. The person gets shot no matter what you pick out yeah. of the dialogue choices. <laughs> yeah. That's cheap in an environment where we can go back and check those sort of things. But in D&D, you really can't. So there's a little bit of, in some situations, there is a little bit of, a, no matter which selection you pick, that'll be the story version. And that, that'll be where you end up. But, I mean, I can tell you along the road here, as the end, there were quite a few roadblocks in how things got presented, such as our very first Grick mission, uh, mission number three. You guys didn't get the tablet out of there. Oh, right. So all that translation and all the knowledge you would have had for future instances was lost. And you nobody found the hidden basement and alchemy lab beneath Skull Keep while we were there. Right. So oh, man. There was a, <laughs> Don't there tell was John post- this. He hates this kind of thing. He's like going to be annoyed for weeks that we didn't get it. <laughs> there were potions and items and all sorts of things that would have led to greater discoveries and maybe pushed us down different roads as we got there. And so instead, we ended up in the All Bronze Operations. The guild tried to figure out what was going on because we didn't have the answers. Right. So that's the story taking hold and just doing its natural thing. But there is a lot of cheating that can happen along the way. Sure. Well, we believe you. Quick. We don't think you ever cheat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> A quick question that came up right before the show got going today. Will Splendorbelt or Grinkeeper be picking up that great sword? But I guess that got answered because we gave it back to Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Broadside. Yeah, y'all ended up trusting Broadside. Yeah, which I still have some regrets about, but it's fine. Should have trusted Cheat. That would have been ending number five. Yeah. 
They oh always trust someone named Cheat, I say. <laughs> yeah, Cheat seemed like a real reliable individual. Yeah, always. Like, yeah. All the you dialogue. Know, I wasn't mind controlled, but I thought maybe summon a giant monster for the lulls. <laughs> well, and the other thing with Cheat was the name had two meanings. It was I cheated death, so there's your there's your cool name. But it was also I'm a every time I talk, I feel like I'm a liar, and that that was palpable in her character. Wait, it was a she. Yeah, it was a she. Yeah. Not that it matters. <laughs> uh, final question for all of us, and then Kyle said he had some questions for us. Uh, so everyone is has been sending their well wishes for Bo throughout all of this, and then we have a direct, how is Bo doing? Will he be one of the special guests that Kyle mentioned? Yes, hopefully. Yes. Um, and that pause means nothing. I think Kyle was just waiting for one of us to say something. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing weird going on. He's basically doing much better and um we talk all the time he's still on core with john and i every week so we you know we're still doing shows with him it just isn't this one at the moment um in terms of his you know his willingness to sort of be well enough to to come back and be a bigger part of things i think we're we're absolutely getting there but i guess only kyle can answer the the guest star thing yeah so we want to keep things relatively stress-free and locking yourself on the weekend, in a chair, in front of a computer, with voices talking all the time from different angles, having to imagine, it, it can be really stressful. Yeah. So, Bo is 100% invited. I can't wait to have Mon, and I hope he can make it. Yeah. But I do not want to elevate that stress at all towards him. So, if it happens, glorious, it happens. And if it doesn't, hopefully it'll happen soon after that. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, basically, the, the bottom line is this. If you've got you know, who are, no matter who you are, if you've got friends that, that just need your help f- when they are dealing with stuff like he's dealing with, and it's, you know, we'll just be open about it. It's just, you've got, you know, mental health matters. And if you care about your friends as much as you would, if they broke their leg in front of you, then you should do what you need to, if they, you know, deal with this sort of stuff. And that's, that's what we're doing for Bo. Part of that is feeling it out and seeing if he's, you know, able and willing and when, and then, or you know, is it is it the right time? Are we doing all we can to make sure he's he's uh, you know we're not just adding to the problem? Like all those things are questions. But I'm with Kyle. I I hope it's sooner than later. That'd be great. And last thing I want to do is be like you have to be here at this time on your weekend. Yeah. For this amount of time for these stresses and make sure you have your character ready. Like it, you can see how it might exacerbate the issue. Yeah, it's a bit much for anyone. Now I get to ask my question. Ooh. Yeah, go no for way. It. No, all I, right, let's do this. This. Was, this was our first season with these characters, so I want to know how your all's characters changed and if you intended one thing, but the world and the adventure made you something else. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, you know what? I thought I was going to be more um, pious. My plan was to be Ooh. a little bit more like... Um, I don't know, but just super into Paylor constantly and, and, and rubbing it in everybody's face and being kind of one of those guys that was like shoving my religion down your throat um, was kind of the plan. But instead, I found him uh, as I were. I don't know. This always happens to me. But as things went along, he's just more of a melancholy guy that would like to just get to the potato farming and kind of doesn't love maybe his life choice. Maybe he was forced into it or not forced into it, but pushed into it without him really wanting to go this far in the in the religious studies, you know what I mean? And maybe 
maybe there's an opportunity for him to to get out of it. So that that potato farm stuff isn't just for laughs or or just for ooh, isn't Spunderbelt weird? It's just maybe it's more what he wants and more of what, who he really is. And and this and this life maybe isn't all for him. Yeah, I, I think you made a really cool and powerful choice early on when you basically said Paylor likes those who take care takes care of themselves. Yeah, I'm not going to help everyone on the street. Right. We're here to do a mission and be that beacon of light for those in need. And right. you're not in need, sir. That's just a horse run down the street. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's 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 like it's almost like you if you could go back in time, you'd you'd find a much more zealous splendor belt who's very into just constantly spreading his paylor business everywhere wide and far and instead what you have is somebody who's maybe gotten a little older a little wiser and is not so sure anymore and is and and, and as much as he he knows the paylor is there and is real uh it's it's not the fulfill fulfillment that he thought maybe it was which sounds super serious and stuff for for somebody like splendor belt but that is kind of where he ended up mentally so yeah that's my answer I, I feel like things did change for my character a lot yeah i i think for me too i think ko was originally gonna be i mean even before we started playing ko was gonna definitely be one type of character and kind of pivoted to another in fact uh his stats changed i think between episode one and two because i forgot to update them <laughs> i sent kyle a message and said uh, I changed everything about Ko and I forgot to update his stats and his stats don't match his personality and none of it makes sense. Can I fix it? Um, because originally he was going to be this, you know, like big, you know, social outcast, uh, you know, everybody would think he's a monster. He looks like he's something that would come out of a dungeon, not, you know, be a part of society. And obviously that's not where he wound up. Uh, so I, I would say that was very different, but then I also, you know, he's a low charisma character. I had no intention of him doing a lot of talking or being, you know, by any means a face man for the group. Uh, and I think by and large, I've done a good job of stepping back because I didn't want him to be just another Stanley Billings. Like I'm going to be talking all the time. Um, but I, I also think, uh, I think Scott enjoys, you know, kind of picking his moments to strike. And I think, Kristen, you know, sometimes having to pull double duty of uh, helping a baby exist and have fun and have a good <laughs> life. Uh, sometimes that means that there's only one person available to talk. And so I kind of feel like I have found my way back to that role a little bit. Uh, but it's been it's been fun because Co isn't good at it. You know, he's not like Stanley. He's not going to he can't just use honeyed words and get out of any situation. Like he's actually kind of awful at it. So when he tries to like intimidate or charm people, most of the time it's going to fail and he's going to be bad at it. And somebody else is going to have to bail him out. And I think that's kind of a fun character trait to have developed as well. Did you know from the start you were going to do the psychic rogue? Uh, no, originally, I think originally I was going to do, what's it called? There's one where if the idea is that it's the spirits of the dead, uh, come back into, uh, it's called a phantom. It's a rogue phantom. And you're basically getting whispers from, from beyond to you and changing your personality and stuff. And I was going to do some wild and crazy stuff around that. And, 
ironically, the thing that changed my mind was I thought the idea of generating psychic blades and being able to throw it. I was like, oh, that'd be cool because I can be kind of this ranged rogue. I'll be throwing psychic knives at people like that sounds great, uh, which is an ability Ko has not unlocked yet. <laughs> but that's what made me switch and take uh, that class because I was like, oh, running around throwing psychic knives sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's amazing that uh, the desire to throw psychic knives had such a huge impact on our story. Yes. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, and also the, it didn't make sense, but I love the idea uh, in the, in the class description for the soul knife that it doesn't leave any, any marks. And while it doesn't really fit with our campaign and what we're doing, the idea of an assassin that can just go up and just hit you with this psychic knife and it leaves no mark and people just fall over dead from it is such a crazy, uh, cool idea. Um, you know, depending on the setting, I, I fell in love with it and I was like, I got to try this. This, this sounds too cool. Not, and even that's been gauged like you leave you you ripped apart the rust monster and then you left a mark like oh, it, it's been fun making your character inexperienced because they're the first of this entire class and it is yeah. brand new it's from uh the unleashed arc was it a uh, cauldron of everything yeah tasha's it's a it's a brand new class uh sub subclass very cool what about grinkeeper uh, Grinkeeper was originally going to be, bless you, about 16 um, and a bit more uh, boy crazy. That's she wants to. She wanted to protect the grins of all the cute boys in town. That's why she was called Grinkeeper. But uh, she, her age was bumped up to about 18 to make it more of a free agent because 16 is a bit too young to kind of solo out on your own and take on an adventuring lifestyle. Um, and then at school, I wanted her to be like super great at everything, top of the class, but she's, she's messy. She's not, she's not that even when she's at school. So that was something that came out uh, when the school scenes happened was she's not perfect in one role and then imperfect in the other. I love that. I love when the dice determine traits about a character. Like you, you had a vision, but the way you play and the way you roll changes it. Cause I had that. Cause originally Ko was skilled and then I failed at everything I tried to do early in the game. And I, I ended up kind of rewriting his backstory in my head a little bit where uh, his original backstory life, a crime business was, he basically did some paperwork. He wasn't really involved in anything physical or dangerous. He uh, forged some documents. He's a big nerd and he's not actually very good at this stuff yet. Yeah. Right. And then Grinkeeper has a plus zero to wisdom, a negative one to intelligence. So it wouldn't make any sense to suddenly be incredibly smart uh, and wise in one place and then lose it all when you go adventuring. That's true. Kyle, anything else to uh, to ask or add? No, those are my big questions. Thank you for answering them. Yeah, very nice. I like this. Little DM questions at the end is uh, is actually pretty cool. We have to do more of this. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this month's bonus episode. Thank you guys for listening at home and wherever you may be. Our plan is to bring you another one in one Earth month from now. Thank you all very much. And for those of you listening late, hey, consider uh, supporting the show. Hop in and uh, check it out. 
therewillbedungeons.com is where you can sign up to support the show and get this early and plenty of other cool things like Kyle's report cards, which will be coming shortly as well. That'll do it for us. For me, for Kyle, for Kristen, and for John, we'll see you next time. Thank you.